0: My name is Nick Spacek and you're listening to From and Inspired By, a podcast about soundtracks and the people who make them. On this episode, we continue our Halloween series talking with Annie Choi and Joe Zimba of the synth duo Taken by Savages about their music for the unearthed 1990 James Bryan shot on video horror movie, Jungle Trap. 1990 and unreleased until this very moment, Jungle Trap is the final collaboration between exploitation demigods director James Bryan of Don't Go in the Woods and the late actress Renee Harmon of Frozen Scream. The movie is a decapitation-fueled, shot-on-video horror masterpiece about a jungle hotel haunted by kill-crazy ghosts and loincloths. The movie remained unedited, unscored, and unseen by human eyes for over two decades until it saw release back in late July. Under Brian's guidance, the Bleeding Skull team meticulously edited the movie and Taken by Savages recorded a soundtrack utilizing vintage 1980s synthesizers. We spoke via Skype with the folks behind both Bleeding Skull and Taken by Savages about Jungle Trap, Bleeding Skull, and more. Thank you both for taking time to talk to me tonight. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, no problem. It's our pleasure.
0: Yeah, we're happy to do it. Thank you for reaching out to us. Yeah, I was really excited when I got to watch Jungle Trap last month. Uh, Oh,
1: where did you see it?
0: The folks at Mondo were cool enough to send me a screener link so I could watch it and review it, and it wouldn't cost them money. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. How did you come to be part of this? How, uh, how Was was it Bleeding Skull who got in contact
2: with the two of you? Oh, we should probably give you a history on what Bleeding Skull is. Yes. Okay. Annie, do you want to talk or would you? No,
0: like- you should totally do
1: it.
2: Okay. Um. So, so we actually are Bleeding Skull. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Bleeding Skull is uh, myself, Annie, and Zach Carlson. And um, Bleeding Skull was launched in 2004. It was a website. And then in 2013, we released a book called Bleeding Skull, a 1980s Trash Horror Odyssey, which was pretty much like a a compilation of like 10 years of Bleeding Skull, like the first wave of what Bleeding Skull was. That
0: came out through Head Press, right?
2: Yeah, that's Head Press. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then we started Bleeding Skull Video in 2013 with Mondo, and then we have the second book, Bleeding Skull, in 1990s Trash Horror Odyssey, is coming out with Fantagraphics next year. Oh, nice.
1: Yeah, for those who don't know, Bleeding Skull is a website that does, like, we review kind of low-budget, very independent backyard DOI films.
2: Yeah, and the site was started because at the time I was getting really frustrated at seeing people um, make fun of these movies and treat them with zero respect and you know, saying they're so bad it's good. And that was something I disagreed with and I wanted to see change in the world. So that's why I started the site.
1: And then it turned into a video label. And from there, I guess this is mostly like Joe and Zach going out and finding films that were never released in the U.S., or had um, a very limited release and starting with um, films like Cards of Death and Soul Tangler, um, um, putting out these movies. And then um, maybe we should tell the story about the used car, Joe.
2: Yeah, we should. So, <laughs> uh, the used car. Dungle Trap probably has the most exciting and weird story of all of the movies that we've released. Um, so Zach had a friend in San Francisco who was purchasing a used car, and he got the car and brought it home. And he opened up the trunk and noticed that there was, you know, like piles of garbage in there and like McDonald's wrappers. And then there was a a bag of VHS tapes. And one of the tapes in there was this movie called Run Coyote Run, and it had the Xerox sleeve. And he called Zach immediately because he knew Zach liked VHS. And he was like, "Hey, I've you know found these movies. Do you want them?" And Zach's like, "Sure, send them, send them on." And so um, Zach found out it was this movie, Run, Coyote, Run, which was a movie that um, one of our favorite directors, James Bryan, had worked on um, with his longtime creative partner, Renee Harmon. And we'd always thought that it was an alternate title for another movie they had made in 1980 or, ne- or like, like mid-70s called Lady Street Fighter. Oh, okay. It was
1: amazing. That movie was yeah. amazing.
2: Yeah, that movie is really incredible. And Eck um, was releasing that movie in 2018 on Blu-ray, by the way. Oh, um, but back to the story. Um, so we got this movie, Run Coyote Run, and it turned out it was an entirely new movie that we didn't know about from like, this incredible filmmaking team that we love. Um, so we kind of lost our minds, and we were like, wow, what, do you want like, Jim, James Bryan, do you want to put this out? And he said yes, and we were really excited, so we went to his house in Lufkin, Texas, And he has this giant film barn in Lufkin that's, it's like an airplane hangar, and it's filled with all of his history and memorabilia and negatives of his films, all kinds of stuff. Um, And we were looking around in there and there was a bin that was marked with a Sharpie jungle trap. And Zach said, oh, what's this jungle trap? And we looked in it and it was these, these master tapes, these quarter inch tapes. And he's like, oh, that's the last movie that Renee and I worked on that never got finished. And Zach and I looked at each other like what? There was another Renee Harmon, Jim Bryan movie and so, um, yeah, we, we just asked him, would, could we get a copy of it? And he transferred it. And what it ended up being is that a film that they had completed shooting and assembled a rough edit. Um, but were seeking um, funding to finish the movie back in 1990 and it never happened. So they just had this rough edit that had no soundtrack, no sound effects. It was very rough in terms of like Jim Bryan is still on the tape, giving people direction, like Renee, move the lamp to the left and things like that. Um, so it is this really rough version of this movie, and we all sat down and watched it at Zach's house, and we were really shocked um, that it was really good. <laughs> we were yeah. happy because it could have gone another way. <laughs> um, it was great. We really liked it, and we thought there was a lot of potential there. So we asked Jim if, with his blessing, we could um, complete the film with them, and he said yes.
1: So we like we did a Kickstarter, and you know we got we got it got funded, which is amazing. And we hired an editor, Don Suenos, to kind of clean up the movie. And he tightened it up and got rid of some of the, um, you know, obviously a lot of the line direction that, that uh, Jim was in there and just, just sort of made the movie. And then um, it needed a soundtrack. So Joe and I are in a band called Taken by Savages. And um, we don't actually do any kind of electronic music. Our, our music is typically more like, I would say, like rock laid-back, aggro, chill rock,
0: <laughs>
1: that's how we explain it. We're angry, but not like we're pretty laid-back about it. Um, but, you know, we both play a bunch of instruments, and we thought it'd be really, like, a great experience to, to do the soundtrack for this movie. Um, and Jim was like, yeah, you know, do whatever you want, and gave us some direction about, um, like, what he'd liked, what kind of music that he was looking for for the music, for the movie, and we sort of took it from there.
2: Yeah, and I think I guess I always forget to mention this, but to anyone that's listening and isn't familiar with movies that are, you know, really literally made in people's backyards, like we're not talking about a movie that's like this isn't like Halloween three or something. Like this isn't a movie that was made by prof- I mean, they were professionals to a certain extent, but this wasn't like a big budget movie. This was made with a camcorder in someone's backyard and they were trying to make a jungle in their backyard look like a huge jungle. And they were building you know, building an aircraft in a closet you know, like things like that. And so it's, this is really about the heart that goes into making the movie and their ambition and their vision for doing things, no matter what, even when people were telling them they couldn't do it, um, they went ahead and did it anyway. And that's what's so inspiring to us about these movies. So when we approach a movie like that um, it's, it's kind of interesting because it tells in the mindset of where they were at to make a movie at this level.
0: Given that I know Bleeding Skull has just, like, this vast trove of archive reviews, Mm -hmm. has seeing all of those films, especially, like, of that sort, did that give you, like, a really good grounding in, like, what sort of soundtrack you wanted to record?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Joe has probably watched hundreds of thousands of these movies and I've watched maybe just thousands. <laughs> um, um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's with, especially with all the DIY stuff, people get really creative. They'll use library music or they won't have any soundtrack at all, or they'll get their friend with a guitar, you know, or their friend in like a metal band to do their soundtracks. And it's such a huge variety. Um, <laughs> definitely no orchestral music. <laughs> okay. this isn't like, you know. There's no John Williams in here. But, um, yeah, so we we definitely have watched a bunch to know, you know, what we like from them. But it was less about, I think, what we liked and more about what um, Jim Bryan liked. You know, like, he had given us – he didn't give us much direction, but what he did give us was that the soundtrack that I think he said he was most proud of was um, the one that's in Don't Go in the Woods. Mm -hmm. Which I don't know if you've seen, but it's it's, it's an amazing movie. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yes, I, I I own the Vinegar Syndrome Blue. So yes, yes. Oh, that's awesome, good.
2: You have great taste in movies. <laughs>
1: we approve. Um, the so that soundtrack is you know it's it's mostly synths and keyboards and it's really minimal um, and it's it's very unobtrusive. It's it's just sort of there and then it just punctuates and it's it leaves and it's it's not in your face. You kind of took that as a cue and made that as kind of our guide of how we were going to do jungle trap. And we, you know, we both watched it. It's, it's so different watching a movie just for the soundtrack. You know, we've watched don't go in the woods like hundreds of times, but, um, it's, it's totally different. Like I, I never really noticed how, um, it's oddly like quiet that movie. Um, so we were trying to, to kind of model that, but then, you know, it's a jungle movie. So it should have some jungle elements to it and be pretty crazy when it needs to be. So, um, yeah, we didn't like try to reinvent. We didn't. We certainly didn't try to put like a modern spin, you know, on the soundtrack. We didn't want to like make a, a white rap metal rock
2: <laughs> over
1: the over the movie. Um, yeah, you know, Joe was like, I want to.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I always. Do. You still you always want to rap one day. Yeah, I no, know. I didn't I didn't do that
1: <laughs> so um, we wanted to keep it, you know very stripped down and very minimal and keeping it to the kind of instruments that were of the era in the late 80s early 90s and try to keep it true to what it is and not try to like put some 2017 spin on it you know that's like not really what we're interested in and not really what we do anyway so yeah
2: and i um i also think and one of the things that about don't go in the woods that we keyed in on is that um, I think I know a lot of my favorite, I mean, watching all of these movies and thousands of these movies, and one of the things that I really gravitate towards in the soundtracks is when they truly sound like they escaped from the dungeon of a lunatic. Like <laughs> yes. someone making this soundtrack that had just, someone just gave them the synth and gave them a four track cassette and they had never touched them before in their lives. And they're like, this is what came out of it. So I really like that urgency that a lot of these movies have. And I really want, I, I like that in Don't Go in the Woods because I think Don't Go in the Woods H Kingsley Thurber who actually did that soundtrack like from what Jim Bryan has told us that's basically him he's like a a guy that lives out in the forest and you know makes these soundtracks (laughs) it's like from him um so I really like that that was inspirational for me like in my head I wanted that I'm like I want that aspect of it to be present in Jungle Trap so that was like a big inspiration too
0: Speaking of not, like, going forward and trying to, like, modernize this, what the the score reminded me a lot of is something like the score that Herschel Gordon-Lewis did for Blood Feast, where mm-hmm. it's a lot of, like repetitive themes and it's very minimal. Uh, is, is that like something you look towards uh, when, when you were working on the score for this?
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we did was we sort of, you know, it, it was, it would have been so easy to go crazy and do like 20 tracks, you know, layered together. And, um, and Joe, when Joe and I, when we set out to do this, we said, let's try to limit ourselves to two tracks or three Ooh. Um, so it prevented us from going crazy. Um, it also, but it kept us really honest. Like if you only have, if you only know you can only use two tracks, you're going to choose it really wisely and you're going to, it's going to give itself a very different kind of sound. Um, we definitely want to do themes and don't go in the woods. It's very thematic as well, just like the Hersch and go, uh, Gordon Lewis soundtracks in general. Um, so we, we kind of kept to that like a, a progression that kind of gets crazier and crazier as a movie gets crazier and crazier, but kept it. We started really simple and kind of ended a little bit more complicated.
0: Uh, How cool was it like that this soundtrack gets a release through Mondo?
2: Oh yeah. It's it's insane. (laughs) Completely insane. I I still don't understand how that happened or why. (laughs) You know, I think it's obviously because we've had a history of working with them with Bleeding Skull and I feel like this was a culmination of that partnership. So it just kind of felt like, we're, we're doing all this from scratch and we're finishing this movie. And um, we actually, it, we never even thought about it and we never had considered it. But um, when we screened the movie at Fantastic Fest last year in Austin, immediately after the screening, Mondo came up to us and was like, oh, okay, yeah, so we're putting this out on vinyl. And we're like, oh, okay, great. So <laughs> um, yeah, we were it's extremely grateful. I mean, it, it's, it's, I, out of all the like bands I've been a part of and all the records I put out, you know, it's like you always, Imagine or have this fantasy of being on some like big label that you appreciate and love, and like for me, it like pretty much took all this time for that to, to be like, oh, this is a death <laughs> wall, this thing that we did on a four track that was like we were, you know, the first thing we've ever done in this era in this area. It's like it's totally mind blowing to me, and I, I'm just very grateful that we were able to do it. And I still, I still can't believe they did it. I can't believe that I can hold it in my hands.
1: I know it's so surreal. It's like you. It's like they put out like real people (laughs) (laughs) and then then there's like us like, Oh, the Twin Peaks soundtrack.
2: Yeah. If you want to buy the back to the future trilogy soundtrack, you can buy it and you could also buy jungle trap.
0: So did this experience like whet your appetite for maybe doing this again?
1: I, I mean, yeah, I had a really good time. I mean, I, it was certainly, you know, we both haven't done this before. It was certainly a learning experience for me. Um, mm-hmm. If I could do it again, I would do things, you know, differently. Not not the music, but more like process wise, like what I've learned. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of trial and error. But I yeah, I mean, I really, really enjoyed it. Like it was super fun. Um, even even when I had to watch the movie like a gazillion times, I think Joe and I like still quote the movie every day. Like
2: I think we do. Yeah, there's one scene of um, Mark in the movie who is the like tough guy, loose cannon, wise ass in the movie with the camouflage pants. <laughs> uh, he uh, he has a scene where he's walking through the halls and he's lonely and is like looking for a drink and he hears a crowd of people in a room and he goes. Oh, people, nice. Oh. <laughs> and we say that almost every day. Every
1: day. <laughs> <laughs> All of his lines. <laughs> um.
2: Um, yeah, I, I, I would, I had really, we had such a great time doing it. It was really a ton of work and it was really intense. Um, and I, I've never done anything like that. and It was a really fun learning experience, but I would really love to do it again. And I, like Annie said, I think it would be the same. The process would be a lot smoother and easier. We made a lot of mistakes. On the first one, um, just that we had to like go back and redo and things like that. And I learned a lot about actually mastering for a soundtrack as opposed to mastering like a pop record. Um, so that was really cool. It was a good learning experience. So I would, yeah, I'd be happy to do it again. What was sort of the
0: the biggest learning experience that that came out of all of this? Like, and was it was it like a production sort of thing or was it a compositional? aspect?
2: Uh, it's probably going to be different for both of them. I mean, Annie, you can go ahead if you want.
1: I know. I mean, I can speak to the composition part, and Joe could probably speak to the to production part since he was the producer on this one. Composition wise, I, what I learned is how to, I, you watch a scene over and over again and try to think of what to put under it to kind of punctuate what's there and bring out the performances or bring out the, the kind of mood. And, um, you know, I, I did so many different things in the beginning to try to, like, figure out what the mood is just because the uh, um, music really like if it's a really silly music then it makes you know it cheapens the scene and try to strike up its balance between like making it moody and also making it like rhythmic so it moves the scene forward um i was i think now i know what i'm like kind of looking for when i watch a scene um to make it to make all those parts like balance together but in the beginning was definitely like oh i could i guess could, I could go in this direction or I could go in this direction should this be a like, should this be, like, really suspenseful? But then, you know, the next scene isn't. So, you know, I don't want to give, like, false a false, like, narrative for that. So, I mean, if there's so much that goes into a, a soundtrack that I I totally took for granted as a viewer. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm on the other side of it, you're like, oh, yeah, like you could do it this way and it'll change the way view this character i learned that like middle that in like middle of doing this that like i was trying like naturally i tried to give each character their own kind of set of sounds and personality and if i can do it again i would like i would probably even go like a little more extreme than the way it was there
2: for me i am there's you know there's been this movement in the last five or six years of um, people releasing um, fake soundtracks for movies. Like this is, this is soundtrack for a movie that doesn't exist and saying it was like a real thing and building like a story around it. And I've really kind of, I've liked a lot of that. Like that's really kind of cool to me. And I've been listening. I was like listening to those and thinking like, Oh, someday this would be so cool. Like to actually do, like a, you know, a full movie soundtrack. And they had, like, these really cool, like, synth pop hits on these on these albums. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, you write all these hits and put them on the record and put them in the movie and just lay them in. And it turns out when you're actually composing music for a movie, you can't do any of that because, <laughs> <laughs> like, you have, like, 30 seconds at a time to fill, and then you can, you always have to let the, like, the characters and the actors tell the narrative. Like, you can't take that away from them. Unless like that's the intent of the movie, where it's like okay, so the synth is going to be like a character. Um, so what I found out is it's like oh, I can't just write like synth pop hits. Like you actually have to. There's a like Annie said. There's a lot of thought that goes into it, and um, experience than I thought it was going to be um, because of that. Uh, so that was that was kind of cool. And then from a production standpoint, um, I actually approached it like I would approach just mixing a or, or mastering a band record. Um, And that also turned out to be different than what I thought it would be as well. Um, So it was really cool. It was a really good learning experience, that's for sure.
0: Planned for, I guess, both Taken by Savages, the band, and Bleeding Skull,
2: uh, going forward. Um, well, with uh, Bleeding Skull, so we're we're currently finishing up the second book, which, which is Bleeding Skull in 1990s Trash Horror Odyssey. That's going to be published by Fantagraphics in 2018. We're getting pretty close to finishing. Almost done with her reviews, and I have like ten left, and Zach's got a little few more than that. Um, but we're getting there. Um, so that's been really fun. And then, so that's like the big thing on the horizon for Bleeding Skull. And also Bleeding Skull, um, the American genre film archive Agfa, which has recently launched a, uh, home video and theatrical label. Um, and you know, Agfa is releasing Blu-rays and then part, some of them are Agfa and something weird in that partnership. We're going to start doing Agfa and Bleeding Skull releases. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, in 2018, <laughs> which is really exciting. So we have that. And then, Taken by Savages, um, we really want a maker, to make our next band record, and we already started, we have a handful of songs that are done, um, but we've had so many projects over the last two years since our, our I think our last album came out last year, um, yeah. but yeah, we've had so many projects, so that's next in the in the queue after the book, I think, and then, I mean, it's up to Annie, though, because like, I think it'll be next for me in the queue in terms of writing songs and stuff like that and g- thinking about production and stuff, but um, you know, Annie has other projects. too. Annie's, like, a real legit writer. <laughs> so um, I would think that takes precedence. But that's where my head's at in terms of by Savages, what's next. We, I want to make um, – we made – our last album was, like, an album I really wanted to make, which was, like, Sludge Pop. And I had always wanted to make a record like that, and we did it, and I was really happy with it. So the next one I want to try something a little different that's more like what we were doing in the beginning um, but a little more refined. So I'm excited about it.
1: Yeah, I'm excited too. I definitely think another taking my savages record is is on the way.
2: Yeah, yay!
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, of- and, if, and another soundtrack. If somebody wants to give us this a badass movie, <laughs> we promise that Joe won't rap
2: on it. I don't know.
0: It's promising, like a little, a
2: little too strong. <laughs> you know, it depends on the movie. You can't walk all over the movie, but if the if it or if the chance arises, I will.
0: Now, if if you're going if you're going to rap all over it, is it going to be more like The Maniac Cop 2 rap or are we talking like
2: Monster oh. Squad rap? Oh man.
0: Oh. That's a, <laughs> this is deep.
2: I think it would actually be more um one of the breakdowns in a Millie Vanilli song, like oh. one of those raps. <laughs> nice. Um which means a rap that is um, not the greatest, but very heartfelt. And, you know. I think that's the most important thing. Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you both so much for, for <laughs> taking time to talk to me. This has been so much fun. And I am looking forward to your next book coming out through Fantagraphics because they put out one of my favorite movie. Books destroy all movies. So yes, that's yeah. Zach's book. That's Zach's book. Yes. Well, I uh, thank you guys um, again. This has been like a whole lot of fun. Good. Thank yeah, you, Nick. Thanks you. for
2: <laughs> you're very welcome.
0: For speaking with me, you can find links to purchase Jungle Trap, its soundtrack, and more releases from Bleeding Skull in the show notes for this episode, which are at From and Inspired by.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at From Inspired Pod, and you can subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts. Bleeding Skull is on Facebook at Bleeding Skull, on Twitter at Bleeding underscore skull, and on the web at BleedingSkull.com. Taken by Savages is on Facebook at Taken by Savages, and their music is at Taken by Savages. You may have noticed there was not a new episode last week. I apologize. This episode, however, is our 50th. Um, I celebrated by making it a week late and last weekend recording another podcast uh, for someone else. Uh, That was I appeared on the excellent Eric Roberts is the fucking man podcast talking about Mr. Roberts appearances on an episode of the King of Queens and the 2001 made for TV movie rough air danger on flight 534. It was a blast chatting with Doug and Liam, and you can check that out at ericrobertsistheman.com. In the meantime, please head up the website and click on the Give Us Money button to help pay for web hosting and long-distance fees. And remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back next week, closing out our Halloween specials, talking about the music video for the Goo Goo Dolls, I'm Awake Now, from Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Until then, thanks for listening.